Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Welcome, and thanks for tuning us in today. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and joining me once again at the table is Chris Miller. Uh, This past Sunday, Chris was hitting in the leadoff spot, as we say. He introduced our new sermon series in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, Chris, welcome back, and thanks for spending this time with us today. Thanks, Bart. Glad to be here and looking forward to uh, all the trouble you're getting ready to stir up. Uh Uh-oh. Well, let's jump in it. Uh, Chris, the the study in Matthew that we're entering now follows five book studies that we've just completed last week, and we've been working through the past year, studies of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, James. And over the years, uh, many years, we as a church have adopted a practice of preaching through books of the Bible Mm -hmm. as opposed to just picking and choosing different topics as we go along. Mm -hmm. This might be a good time to share with our listeners, whether they're from our church or otherwise, that we have a philosophy that the elders of our church follow as we plan the preaching of God's Word. Talk about that a little bit. Why do we do what we do? Yeah, that's really important because the pulpit ministry is probably the most significant thing that we do. At least it all starts there. And probably the reason it starts there is, let me, let me just go back to the basics, is because we really do believe the Bible is inspired word of God. And so it's the most important thing. When you preach a topical message, which is about a particular topic or a current event, you, you try to search the scriptures for what, what applies to that, but you don't know if you always get it right. So the safest and best way is to simply preach, preach through the books of the Bible themselves. So we're always trying to figure out, is there something in our situation today that a particular book would answer or speak to? And sometimes that's the case. Other times things seem to be going well, and uh, then, then we just want to kind of spread out and, and uh, make sure that we're covering the entire Bible. It would be kind of a shame for someone to grow up at the church and then leave the church and never have heard a sermon or a series on a, on a particular book of the Bible. Now that, that talks about a lifetime or at least 20 years or so. But, but that's our goal, to, to not to simply repeat things. So we've chosen Matthew because it's a, a good book that's kind of a connecting link. It, it reaches back to the Old Testament, reaches forward to what we're supposed to do till Jesus comes. And James? it's about Jesus. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. James was a original <coughs> disciple of Jesus. So uh, that's, what we, that's what we have, why we've chosen Matthew. And we also want to go through it at a certain speed because if you take three years to go through a book like that, um, you, you've gone too slow. You might remember back in the day when we used to have 33 and a third RPM records and 45s and 78s. I know I'm searching my memory bank. That's I think ancient, I remember that. ancient stories, but the older people will remember that. <laughs> and the point was that this was a this was record was designed to be played at a certain speed. And if you didn't play at that speed, it didn't sound the way the author wanted to sound. But that was the fun part of it. Yeah, that, that was fun, but it wasn't very productive. <laughs> no, and, and, and the people who wrote the music wouldn't be very happy. Right. So the, the person who wrote this music wants it to be heard well. So, for example, the, the first four chapters of the book of Matthew, Jesus is very passive. He's a background character. We're speaking about him. And so all of those chapters are intended to witness to Jesus, to tell us all about him, to provide credentials for him, mm-hmm. so that when he does appear on the stage in the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 5, you're saying, oh, wow, I want to hear from this one. So if we if we play that too slow, you don't catch that flow of the book, and that's why we're adopted not just the book, but also the timing and the schedule that we have. Right. Now, you mentioned topical versus more of a 
what we call a exegetical type of approach, verse mm -hmm. by verse, mm -hmm. uh, as much as possible. You're not necessarily saying topical is bad, are you? No, no, but <clears throat> but it should be you know preached once a year. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or as a circ and we've had circumstances yes. come up. You and I have talked about this where. Uh, maybe it's a cultural uh, uh, event or something happens, a mm -hmm. tragedy. Uh, we, we spoke to one time, I remember, uh, at the Pulse nightclub down in Florida, how should we respond? Exactly. And it's good to do that when the circumstances warrant, but sticking true, what I hear you say, sticking true to the flow of Scripture mm -hmm. is probably about most important. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think there's anybody who's uh, familiar with grace who would say that's not our pattern. Certainly. Yep. Great. Well, you pointed out that Matthew is the most Jewish of the four accounts of Jesus's life, and it serves to connect the reader with the Old Testament prophecies, the promises that we see in the Old Testament. Give us a quick primer on the intended audiences and purposes of the other three gospel accounts mm -hmm. and why it's important to read and understand each of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's an important question to ask and to answer because uh, some people might assume that those four different accounts really ought to just be thrown in a blender and come out with one life of Christ. Uh, and that would be a good idea if you were simply interested in history. But if you're interested in theology and a particular message of a book, that's why the four Gospels are so beautiful. Because remember, again, this will go back with this, I guess this is an audio day. Remember way back when stereo came in, right? You had mono, and then you had stereo in two different channels. And then I remember when I was in high school, they came out with quadraphonic. Oh, boy. So, right, so you could have four different channels. And that's exactly, but, but the beauty of that was you'd hear a certain instrument from a certain speaker, and it was just like you were in the symphony itself. Right. And that's the intent of the Gospels, not that we should blend them together or use one to kind of figure out the other, but that we should hear the beautiful harmony that comes from seeing them and hearing them all together. So Mark is going to be written probably for an audience in Rome where people are suffering persecution. So you have a focus on Jesus as the suffering servant. How did Jesus suffer? How did he deal with that, right? In Luke, you have uh, the Jesus shown as the ultimate human, and the genealogy goes all the way back not to Abraham, the Jewish man, but to Adam, mm -hmm. the father of every human especially for those Gentiles who are going to hear the message and be introduced and brought into the Jewish family of God. And then John comes along probably 30 or 40 years later after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and he kind of plays cleanup, right? He's a cleanup batter. Mm -hmm. So th there's a lot of unique material in John because it's almost like John says, well, you know, they didn't tell you about this, but let me tell you a unique story you haven't heard before. Presents Jesus as the, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the God-man. So... Um, we, we want to preach Matthew for what Matthew is trying to say and, and not supplement or pretend as though if you really want to know Matthew, then you have to get the answers from Mark about what he's talking. No, no, we're, we're going to stick with the flow of Matthew, and we'll do the other Gospels in time. Good. Great. Well, we talk regularly on the podcast, and, and I'm hoping, we're all hoping throughout our church life, uh, about the importance of discipleship. Now, you shared that a large portion of Matthew's account focuses on Jesus's call to his disciples to be active in engaging others and, and developing them in the faith. And, and so as we read through Matthew on our own, and as we hear the word preached in the coming months, what are some ways that, that you would suggest we can be preparing ourselves <clears throat> to develop healthy discipleship patterns? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great practical application. 
I would say the first way is as you're reading through Matthew and as you're listening to Matthew preached, that you put yourself in the place of Peter and Andrew and John. And imagine Jesus speaking to you. Imagine this call coming to you. What would you say? Right. right? And, and, and so following along. It's also, frankly, just a, a ripping good story as you watch these guys develop over the course of the book because they do some really silly and dumb things. And to watch <laughs> Jesus work with them and to see their understanding grow, I think it's encouraging to us to say, look, I don't have to know it all to become a disciple. This is a journey. So uh, I, would do, I would do that. I would certainly do two other things that those disciples did. And those disciples listened very carefully to the teachings of Jesus, and they watched very carefully the actions of Jesus. Hmm. So l- let's just absorb and focus on him as we move through, and that will go a long way to our discipleship. Well, okay, so other than Jesus, let's say I'm reading through one time, I focus on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who might use in, encourage me to focus on a next time I read through the book of Matthew, is there a, a character there or a person that Jesus interacts with regularly? You say, okay, focus on this guy next and kind of really put your eye on him or her. Yeah, uh, and uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, that would be Peter. Okay. He's introduced differently in this book than he is any of the others. And in fact, in the listing of the disciples, um, Matthew says, and first, Protos, mm-hmm. the very beginning, the first one, uh, is Peter. And he's given that place of, uh, of prominence. Now, that doesn't mean he is the hero or the example. Because in a lot of ways, more often than not, he's the negative example. Sometimes right. he's the positive, right? But, but it is a good example of how a discipleship works and goes and fits and starts. And we try things and we fail, but we get back <coughs> up and try again. Right. And, and he, he, that special story of Peter walking on the water hmm. in chapter 14 is <laughs> such a sweet one because... You know, everybody gets on Peter for his failure, but nobody else got out of the boat. At least he was he swinging was the bat. He was, he was giving it a try. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. A- any other characters that that come to your mind? Mm. Uh, none off the top of my head, because Peter is really the primary right. guy. He's the spokesman. Uh, you know, who do men say that I am? Well, this and this and this. But Peter said, "Right, you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Yeah. And so. Front and center, yep. front and center. Mm-hmm. Well, you pointed out six or seven instances throughout the book where, where Jesus did exactly the opposite of what polite society would have expected. Mm-hmm. And really, not only expected, but required him to do. He, he actually loved, loved on mm-hmm. those whom society defined at that time. And Chris, I'm guessing we would probably do the same. We'd define them as mm-hmm. unlovely people, the untouchables, yep. the people you just, eh, you can stay away from those people, and you're okay doing that. Yep. You do it without thinking about it. I, you do. You do. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, I plan to be really careful these next eight months. I'm afraid he might want me to do the same. Well, I think that's a really good plan, Bart. You, you need to be very careful. We, we all need to be very careful. Because if, if you're not careful, watching Jesus do this might just melt your heart a bit. You might see the beauty of Jesus, be attracted to it. And if that happens, you're in trouble. Right. Because then, then you might start acting like he does. And God forbid. We don't want that kind of change. <laughs> you don't well, want that kind of change. Now, I, I have to tell you, telling you to your face, I didn't do it because you told me to. Okay. But Saturday night before Sunday, mm-hmm. we tuned in 
The Chosen. Oh, did you? Good we for did. you. New, new series, I, well, relatively new. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, what, a year old maybe yeah, or so. thereabouts? Yeah. But um, I was, uh, spoiler alert here, okay, spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Uh, when Jesus has obviously interacted with Mary of Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. Yes, yes. And we see the change, and, I'm, and he hasn't even been revealed yet mm-hmm. until the second episode. But I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, huh, would I have done the same? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really want to be that guy. I yes. want to be that guy, but it's not always popular, and it does put you at risk of being looked down by, looked down upon by society by association. Yeah, but you know what? That's that's one of the <laughs> most important messages we want to get across, because people think of Christianity as becoming a good person and following the rules and doing this or this or this, and it's not that. No. And it it sounds sappy or sentimental, but it's not at all. It is absolutely right. The goal is to fall in love with Jesus. To see him as beautiful and to see, wow, what a what a wonderful, he's not only my savior, but he, what a wonderful way to live. Mm-hmm. And as you like that and you be, you naturally want to become like that, and then the list of rules falls away and it's more like falling in love and pleasing the person whom you love. And we all know how easy that can be mm-hmm. when it happens. Well, and I can't help but think when Jesus saw Mary. Mm-hmm. I'm well. I'm wondering what he thought, but my sanctified imagination is thinking. I wonder if he wasn't think I created her. <laughs> I created her not for this. Uh-huh. And look at what's happened to her. Yep. And I want, I want life for her. That that life. You know, John uh, quotes Jesus saying that they might have life, life more abundant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't help but he might have been thinking just that about her. And then he said, I want to do what I. I'm going to redeem her. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you're right. I think he not only saw how as he created her, but saw her for what she could be again and loved her through the mess. A great redemption story. And, the, and, the, and the, when you begin to get those kinds of eyes, that's why, as James said, I don't want you to be impartial. You can start looking at people and think, now, when Jesus comes back and sin is gone and that person plays the role they were always intended to right. play, what would they look like? Seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the potential. That Fascinating. Is yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so next week, <clears throat> I believe we're going to be engaging in a study of Jesus's family tree genealogy. Mm-hmm. I love genealogy. My brother and I, we've spent uh, oh, 25 years uh, looking back and trying to figure out where we came from. Um, some of it's been exciting, others, uh, well, maybe not quite so exciting. <laughs> but uh, finding horse thieves back there, uh, we haven't found horse thieves. We found some other things, but anyway, we will move on. But give us a, a couple of hints about some things that I can be doing, or anybody who's listening can be doing as we prepare for next week. What, what uh, we're reading through that? What should we be looking for just in preparation? So you're asking the professor for a little bit of homework. Is yeah, that what let's you're give us some homework. Okay, there, all Dr. right, Miller. All right. Well, then, if if that's it, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you three lessons for homework, and, and here's the first one. Um, notice that in that first chapter, there's not just one genealogy, there are actually two genealogies. Mm-hmm. Right. So make sure you read the whole chapter and notice the two genealogies and, and, and figure out what they are. Number, number two, uh, Matthew makes a big deal um, in the first chapter about the genealogy being made up of 14 generations mm-hmm. plus more, another 14 plus another 14. Right. So he gives us three sets, and between those three sets are two hinge points 
that connect the three sets. Mm -hmm. Now this may seem obscure, but it's worth your while to, to contemplate what those hinge points, what draws those three 14s together, because that's where a lot of the message of the first chapter is. Mm, okay. And that, that's kind of vague. But then, then the third question would be this one. Um, and and uh, it's a little bit of a trick question, but it is, how many women are there in Jesus' genealogy? How many women are there? So don't don't miss any of them. Don't miss any of them. Uh, how many women are there in Jesus' genealogy? Well, and you look, I, you, you ask me if I have any horse thieves. Yeah. I'm sure that's a little <laughs> bit of where you're going here. <laughs> it's, a, but, it's a little uh, bit of it. Yep. And it's not only the women. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus' genealogy was messy just like most of them. No, that's exactly right. And in fact, it's not the women themselves. I'll let me give you one example. Because Bathsheba is in there, but her name is not there. Yeah. Because she's identified as mm -hmm. her who had been the wife right. of Uriah. Right. That's on David. Boy, that's a pregnant uh, oh, uh, phrase, isn't it? Well, uh, excuse the pun. Yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely it is. And, and, and even that, you know, I, I kind of made a joke on Sunday about uh, chapter one is your scripture memory for next week. But then I tried to redeem it a bit, and I said, look, if you did memorize this, you'd find gold there. There, 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 in almost every word here, there, there is just a, a nuance that Matthew's getting at that is just so sweet. Hmm. Because that's a major statement of, of what he's trying to do about David, and then also has a big reflection on Jesus. And I think that uh, Trent will do a masterful job of uh, opening that up for us. Well, and lest anyone forget what Paul told Timothy, all scripture is inspired, mm -hmm. and all scripture is profitable. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly I know we're going to be excited to see uh, what goes on here in Matthew chapter 1 and throughout the rest of the book. So, well, it's been a pleasure to talk with Chris Miller today, and we discussed his recent message introducing our new sermon series from the Gospel of Matthew. We invite you to access Chris's sermon as well as recent podcast episodes by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking podcast on the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. And please join us next time as we continue in our weekly study of this important book of Matthew. Until then, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you again for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.